chapter thirty three of the three midshipmen this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox dot org the three midshipmen by william henry giles kingston chapter thirty three an old acquaintance a swim in the dark through waters where sharks abound and in chase of an enemy who may very likely be armed with a sharp crease is far from an agreeable amusement away swam the pirate and after him swam jack if he has a knife it won't be pleasant he said to himself however i must be cautious as i get up to him ah there he is now old fellow what have you got to say for yourself jack was within about a couple of yards of the chinese the man turned his head to look over his shoulder jack darted on at that moment jack saw an object in the pirate's hand gleaming from the bright light of a star hitherto obscured it was a crease the man turned round to meet him and plunge it into his body but at the moment he did so jack dived down and coming up on the other side of him caught him by the legs with one hand while with the other he grasped the arm which held the weapon his great difficulty was to prevent the pirate from changing the crease from his right hand to his left while thus desperately struggling jack observed two dark heads close to him with the most fierce and malignant countenances the men were probably armed with creases jack expected every moment to feel the sharp blades running into him when the shouts of his friends alarmed his foes and they darted away in the hopes of securing their own safety terence and alick meantime naturally felt very anxious for jack's safety they shouted loudly his name all right he sang out i have got a fellow but he is as slippery as an eel and very hard to hold lend a hand here do the tone of his voice showed that he was struggling hard with his prisoner his friends dashed after him with their boats but his own boat of which needham was coxswain had already got up to him and were hauling him and the chinese on board look after the other two fellows they are away there he shouted never for a moment losing his presence of mind alick's boat darted after one terence's after the other it was not likely that the men could have got very far but a black head at midnight on the world of waters is not very discernible murray as his boat pulled on kept his eyes about him on either side he caught sight of a head there he is he cried leaning forward and making a clutch at the pirate a crease flashed up as he did so and he got a cut in his arm which was intended for a more vital part the next instant the man had disappeared but as his object was to escape and not to get drowned he had to come up again to breathe as he did so he got his crease ready to give another plunge with it but the seamen were not quite so green as he supposed and this time they were ready with the boat's stretchers and as he lifted up his arm he got a blow which sent his formidable weapon to the bottom and well-nigh broke his arm this prevented him from diving and the next instant he was in spite of his struggles hauled into the boat and he found himself lashed with his hands behind him to the after thwart there was another prisoner to be accounted for 
Terence told his crew not to make a noise as they went in chase. The man was the strongest of the three prisoners. He had taken a circuit, hoping thus to escape unobserved to the shore. It occurred to Terence that this was what very likely one of them would do, and thus before long he caught sight of the man's head as he swam rapidly through the water the fellow swims beautifully thought terence i'll let him enjoy himself a little longer the noise made on board the other boats deceived the chinaman he fancied that he was not pursued we must catch him now thought terence after an interval and he made a sign to his men to give way when a loud shriek was heard the pirate's arms were seen to rise up above his head and then down he went like a shot beneath the waves terence shuddered jack shark has caught him observed one of the crew and as they pulled over the spot they could see the water still bubbling and agitated as if some violent struggle was going on beneath its surface then all was quiet the monster had dragged off his prey to be devoured at his leisure i'm heartily glad it was not jack rogers said terence as on pulling back he recounted what had occurred thank you answered jack it was certainly a terrific risk i ran but as the fellow had escaped through my negligence i was determined to catch him at all costs how the pirates had managed to conceal their creases was a wonder which no one could solve though the seamen declared that they believed they had kept them hid away inside their throats for they could not have had them anywhere else after all the noise that had been made there was little hope of concealment so mr cherry ordered the squadron of boats to pull out of the bay and to proceed farther along the shore to the eastward scarcely had they got round the rocky point which had concealed them than they saw right before them a dozen or more dark objects which after watching for some time they made out to be as many large row-boats they hoped that they were not perceived so mr cherry ordered them to pull back under the shadow of the cliff on came the boats it was pretty certain that they were pirates and that by some means having discovered they were there their purpose was to surprise them the guns in the bows of the boats were loaded as were the muskets which each man had by his side and the oars were kept out so that at a moment's notice they might give way after the enemy as paddy remarked they looked like four huge centipedes ready to dart out on their prey the row-boats must have been too far off at the time of the chase of the three prisoners to have heard the shouting so they probably hoped to catch the british asleep mr cherry was in doubt whether he should attack them unless they were aggressors they might after all be only harmless traders they glided on pretty rapidly soon they had rounded the point and were making for the spot where the boats had been when those on board them discovered the englishmen they stopped and then came dashing on towards the point they are enemies cried mr cherry give it to them my lads a sharp fire of grape accompanied by musketry from the four boats right into the bows of the junks had the effect of arresting their progress they could not tell how many more boats there might be behind those they saw reload your pieces my lads as fast as you can quick shouted mr cherry it was done before the pirates had recovered from their confusion and when they once more advanced a second dose was ready for them 
this was given with such good effect that they pulled round to escape the commanding officer observing this ordered his boats to advance on they dashed the men loading and firing as they could till they reached the junks then each boat selecting an antagonist the seamen leaped on board and with their cutlasses very soon drove the crew overboard none of the pirates would yield and not a prisoner was taken as some time was expended in this engagement the remainder of the junks escaped where they had gone it was difficult to say in the darkness but jack rogers told mr cherry that he thought he had seen them steering for the bay into the bay therefore the boats proceeded and pulled round and round it in vain they searched however and at last mr cherry ordered them to bring up and wait till daylight as soon as it was dawn it was up anchor and out oars and away they pulled again they had not gone far before they discovered the boats run up on the beach deserted by the crews paddy adair and jack were for dashing in at once but the more prudent lieutenant called them back he first ordered that all the guns should be loaded and pointed towards some suspicious-looking bushes on a height above the beach and then directed terence to pull rapidly in towards the boats and to set them on fire the other boats advanced more slowly two at a short distance to the right and two to the left of him paddy was very much inclined to think all this precaution superfluous what's the use of it when we have only a set of ignorant niggers to deal with he observed to jack as he pulled on give way lads he reached the beach a light was struck there was an abundance of dry driftwood thrown up by gales on the shore some of it was speedily collected and they had succeeded in setting one boat in a blaze when from the suspicious bushes there came a rattling shower of bullets and directly afterwards some fifty savages with creases in their hands dashed out towards them two of the englishmen had fallen and terence and the rest rushed to their arms to defend themselves as best they could though they could not help looking round to see if the other boats were coming to their assistance when from either side so hot a fire was opened with grape and bullets on the pirates that before they reached the boats they wished to defend numbers were tumbled over and the rest turned and fled back into the cover before he could allow the boats to advance mr cherry had all the firearms again loaded meantime terence continued to set the boats on fire and performed the work without molestation the lieutenant then led the flotilla to a spot where there were no trees or rocks to shelter an enemy and leaving three men in each boat he landed with the rest and advanced to the top of a neighbouring hill there were no habitations in sight and as it was agreed that it would be worse than useless to follow the pirates the party again embarked the wounds of the poor fellows who had been hit were bound up and all possible attention was paid to them notwithstanding this soon after the boats again shoved off one of them died it was impossible to keep the body on board and as landing was dangerous a shot was fastened to the feet and with scant ceremony it was launched into the sea has bill gone asked the other wounded man with a faint voice i wish as how he'd waited a bit before he slipped his cable so that we could have borne each other company maybe if i clap on more canvas i shall get up with him how some dever i shan't be long after him and that's a comfort 
for several hours the boats proceeded on looking into every bay and creek for signs of inhabitants from whom they might obtain information at last some huts were seen and the expedition pulled on for the shore mr cherry and about five-and-twenty men landed and the ground being open marched up towards the huts carrying the two prisoners with them one of them was then made to understand that he must go and make inquiries as to whether they knew what had become of the two ladies and the other people the pirates had carried off the man nodded his head and showed that he fully comprehended what he was to do while they were speaking some thirty or forty natives appeared at a short distance off understand added the interpreter you may go as far as that tree so that you may talk to those people but if you go a foot farther you will be shot remember that we are not joking the pirate went on first very slowly then rather quicker then faster and faster the natives shouted and he cried out something in return he evidently had friends among them he reached the tree he stopped a moment then he looked back the marines looking very grim with their muskets presented stood ready to fire he talked on then he looked again the desire to escape overcame all his fears he sprang forward but as he did so half a dozen bullets were lodged in his body no sooner did he fall than numbers of natives rushed out from all directions and began to fire on the english giving the marines time to reload mr cherry called his men to charge and dashing forward with bayonets and cutlasses they speedily put the enemy to flight a considerable quantity of european goods of various descriptions was found in the houses as this proved without doubt that the inhabitants were either pirates or in league with them the habitations and such goods as could not be carried off were committed to the flames the fields gardens and plantations of every description were likewise ruthlessly destroyed it is a cruel necessity observed mr cherry to his subordinates but it must be done the only way that i can see of putting a stop to piracy is to teach the pirates that their trade will not longer answer murray was the only one of the party who was not entirely of the lieutenant's opinion that evening when they had returned to the boats he addressed jack rogers i wonder now whether it might not answer to catch some of these wild fellows to show them the beauties and advantages of christianity and civilization and then send them back among their countrymen as a sort of missionaries offer to trade with them and prove to them that honest commerce will be more profitable to them than dishonest piracy i think this plan would answer our purpose better than burning down their houses and cornfields jack was not quite certain which plan he thought the best ours is the shortest and most simple at all events he observed i think not because our present work can never end answered alick as soon as we disappear piracy will again appear whereas if we teach the people the advantages of commerce they will not only no longer rob themselves but it will be their interest to aid in putting down piracy everywhere else well alick i do believe you are right as you always are said jack but i say i hope we shall find poor madame dubois and mademoiselle cecile before long what a state of fright the poor old lady will be in all this time while they were talking their boats being close alongside each other terence was attending to the wounded man in his boat the poor man grew weaker and weaker i shall not see another sunrise he remarked 
bill won't have a day's start of me so maybe after all he and i will steer the same course alongside each other he continued talking in the same style to the last showing clearly that he had his senses perfectly but that he was painfully ignorant of the truths of religion adair thought that he ought to set him right but did not know how to begin and if he had begun he felt that he should not know how to go on the seaman's voice grew fainter and fainter the pale light of a dawn began to appear suddenly he lifted himself up exclaiming with a strong voice yes bill all right i'm casting off the turns good-bye shipmates i'm after you bill then he fell back and was dead scarcely was the body cold before it too was lowered into the water and as the sun rose mr cherry gave the order to weigh and continue the voyage a pleasant breeze sprang up off the land which carried them along at a good speed at noon they turned to dine still continuing under way a lofty headland was before them no sooner did they round it than a deep and beautiful bay opened on them with rocks and high but not precipitous banks in the very head of it there appeared a large junk anchored close in with the shore that's her exclaimed jack and alick and captain willock in the same voice it's the very junk which carried off the ladies if it's not her it's as like as one pea is to another observed the american skipper she appeared to be full of men and numbers came scrambling up from below it was evident that the boats were unexpected visitors a few shots were fired at the boats on this mr cherry ordered the sails to be lowered and the oars being got out away they dashed towards the junk getting ready to fire as they approached scarcely had one discharge been given than the pirates were seen to be making their escape from the junk some were lowering themselves into the boats which hung alongside and others were leaping into the water to swim on shore the nearer the british drew the more violent were the attempts the pirates made to escape by the time the boats had got within fifty yards or so of the junk the greater number had made their escape and most of them were seen climbing up the hill or hiding themselves among the rocks at that moment half a dozen people were seen on the deck and it appeared to mr cherry that they were about to discharge some of their guns before they made their escape he was just giving the order to fire when jack shouted out stop in stop they are not pirates they are madame dubois and miss cecile though they are dressed up like chinamen and hudson and hoddy doddy and the rest the crews of adair's and murray's boats were however in so great a hurry that they fired before mr cherry could countermand his order and then on they dashed jack was dreadfully afraid that the ladies might be hurt and this made him also eager to get alongside to ascertain this anxiety was however speedily relieved by the appearance of miss cecile on the upper deck of the junk waving a petticoat which she had made do duty as a flag of truce the whole party were soon alongside jack was the first on deck he very nearly burst out laughing when he caught sight of poor madame dubois rigged out in a chinaman's costume with her hair twisted into a pigtail and a little round chinese hat on her head miss cecile had on the same sort of dress which jack did not think particularly became her indeed she appeared to him to be very different to what she had before seemed when she was instructing him in french all this time the pirates were scrambling away up the rocks as fast as they could go so great had been the panic that they had not even taken their arms with them so that they could not interfere with the proceedings of the conquerors 
mr cherry did not think it worth while to follow them indeed as they appeared to have treated the prisoners well he did not think that he should do right to inflict on them any further punishment than the loss of their vessel and booty the junk's huge wooden anchor was therefore hove up to her bows and the boats taking her in tow carried her off in triumph out of the bay before leaving however mr cherry told the interpreter to impress on the minds of the two pirate prisoners that if they returned to their old habits they would be caught and if caught they would be hung but that if they took to any honest calling they would be protected and favoured by the british go and tell your countrymen this and don't forget it yourselves added the interpreter the men were then landed and off they scampered to join their friends but whether or not they benefited by the advice given them it is impossible to say jack with mr cherry and a few of the men went on board the junk when jack inquired of miss cecile how it was she and her mamma had come to assume the attire in which he found them clothed oh it was all mr hudson answered the young lady he say we must to run away but poor mamma she does look very funny ha 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 your respectable relation has certainly a very curious appearance answered jack not particularly well pleased with miss cecile's tone it strikes me indeed young lady that the sooner she changes her dress the less ridiculous she will appear miss cecile however did not seem to care much about this point and continued laughing as heartily as before hudson afterwards explained that having found a chest of chinese clothes in the cabin in which they were shut up they had dressed themselves in them in the hopes that thus disguised they should be the better able to make their escape before night the blenny hove in sight and taking the boats on board and the junk in tow the expedition returned to hong kong where they found the frigate at anchor jack and alick here bade the companions of their late adventure good-bye jack was a little sentimental when parting with miss cecile but he very speedily recovered his usual state of feeling when he heard that she was about to be married to mr joe hudson the mate of the american brig while the dugong and blenny lay at hong kong captain hemming was asked to take a poor young gentleman on board who had suffered from the climate and was very ill a trip to sea might give him some chance of recovery hemming in the kindness of his heart at once consented without asking who he was and promised him a berth in his cabin scarcely had the stranger been lifted up on deck than jack recognized in his features though pale and sunken those of his old schoolfellow bully pigeon he was placed in the shade under an awning on deck he had not been there long before he sent a boy to call jack ah rogers he said in a faint voice i dare say you scarcely like to speak to me but i am not as bad as i was i have been thinking a good deal lately and a friend has talked to me and read to me and i have seen my folly i believe in the religion i once laughed at and i see that had i before believed in it i should have been a thousandfold more happy than i was i have thrown life away for i shall soon die but i am not miserable as i was lately for i know that i shall be forgiven the next day the frigate and brig sailed for the north they had cruised for about a fortnight when a steamer overtook them and gave them notice that war had broken out once more between england and china and that there would be plenty of work cut out for them before long End of chapter thirty three